Hello, welcome to another episode of the Capital Employed Podcast. For this episode, we had the pleasure of being joined by Mark Simpson, who is a private investor, market commentator, and the author of the popular book, Excellent Investing, How to Build a Winning Portfolio. In this episode, Mark discusses his value investment style and his thesis for investing in two UK small caps that are being offered to investors at enticing valuations. This was a great episode and I think you will really enjoy it. Before we begin, make sure to add your email to the Capital Employed email list. Every so often we publish exclusive interviews that are only available to those people on the list. To receive these bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployed.fm forward slash exclusive and add your email to the list. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark. Hi Mark, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hi John, great to be here. For people who may not be familiar, can you provide an overview of what you do and and what is your investment style? Yeah, sure. Um, As well as investing my own money, uh, I'm an investment author um, and I focus on overcoming behavioral biases and building better portfolios. Plus, I'm also a UK small cap commentator. So have with a a couple of friends, a Discord channel and a weekly email newsletter uh, that goes out to to people discussing mainly kind of UK small caps, but also uh, some large cap stuff as well. And what businesses do you like to invest in? What are the characteristics you're looking for? Um, so personally, I'm I'm a deep value investor. So I'm looking to invest in what's widely hated by the market, uh, because I, I think that's where you're most likely to find undervaluation. Uh, I mean, this is a strategy that suits my personality quite well. And, uh, and in my book, I talk a bit about the importance of finding that strategy that fits your personality. But for me, I'm quite happy again going against the grain, forming my own independent views and kind of sticking to them. So for me, that sort of deep value investing is a really good fit. So primarily, I'm looking for stuff that's cheap, either on kind of price to tangible book basis or enterprise to free cash flow multiple as well. I'm quite flexible, you know, obviously about a a year or kind of 18 months ago, I was looking at net nets companies that are trading less than their, their working capital. Um, because you you could get that sort of business, um, you know, but uh, more recently, it's kind of focusing on stuff that has um, high cash flow, because the the kind of uh, those those book value opportunities have, have gone away. But there's a lot of businesses out there that uh, are still cheap on, you know, kind of long term cash flow basis. Are you still finding good value then? Or is it just becoming more difficult as the... Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely become more difficult. What I found is that whereas, uh, yeah, sort of a year ago, you could sort of almost um, take the shotgun approach. You could, um, you know, you could buy in in most areas, businesses that were unlikely to go bust, were likely to uh, recover and, you know, were were historically very cheap compared to assets. And of course, you know, I, I didn't know that the recovery would be so swift and so you know, kind of pushed by governments, the response would be so big that, you know, a lot of these businesses recovered very quickly and the markets and they priced the recovery very quickly. But back then it it really was a a case of lots of opportunities and uh, and lots of stuff available with the long-term view. I'm still finding value in this market, but it's much more, you know, sort of uh, of concentrated. So, I, you know, I've probably gone from having 
you know, kind of 30 to 40 stocks to, to maybe down to as few as 20 at some times, because I'm, I'm just not seeing the breadth of value in the market um, that I you know, maybe saw a year ago. And do you ever look outside the UK? Occasionally, um, I, I will if there is um, something that's interesting where you, you just don't get exposure to that in the UK markets. So, uh, so sort of last year as well, I sort of took a look at tanker stocks. It was sort of one of those kind of popular sort of trades at the time with, with rates kind of soaring. And of course, there's no UK kind of even proxy for that, uh, that area. So I would certainly analyze those companies and maybe make selective investments. But in general, I find that there are certain impediments to, to doing that. For example, I'm used to reading UK accounts. So even with you know, very slightly different you know, rules such as US Gap, picking up a set of accounts and immediately kind of deep diving it is quite a bit harder. I also find that some of the cultural stuff so I've got a fairly keen eye for UK management that are overly promotional, that maybe there's um, issues with fundamental issues with the company that are not in the accounts. So I've got a good feel for that in the UK, but I don't have that, for example, if I invested in Japan or China. So I tend to avoid those stocks um, for, for that reason. And finally, the, the foreign exchange, a lot of um, kind of UK brokers it can be quite challenging to get competitive foreign exchange rates. And I like to invest in tax, you know, kind of tax advantaged accounts. So ISAs and, and SIPs and things like that. So I, I don't have a I don't have flexibility to, I don't know, pick up an interactive broker's account and, you know, kind of use more advanced tools. I have to stick with the the kind of the the more mainstream brokers. And you often find that the the FX there is uncompetitive. Um, so that puts me off as well. And you mentioned sometimes you can hold up to 40 stocks in your portfolio. How much sort of time do you spend on researching each stock before you would buy? It massively varies. Um, so again, depending on the conditions, a year ago, I was happy to invest in something that I trusted the management enough that they weren't a fraud or unlikely to be a fraud. And they traded at a big discount to uh, what we call net net, the you know, net working capital after you uh, take off all liabilities. If I saw those sort of stocks, you know, I would, you know, I would invest without, without doing much more research um, on that, to be honest. You know, if you have that level of cheapness, and of course that only comes during crises and particular type market times. And in fact, my big issue or big fault last year was discounting some of the cheapest stocks because they had poor quality aspects. You know, I, I looked at, at some companies and I thought, okay, the cash burn is too great in this company, or I, I don't like the product or I don't like the management. And several of those companies have gone up to, you know, have, have done 5x or more because they were so cheap. And I discounted them unnecessarily because I actually did too much research into them. On the other hand, you know, a, a company I think I'll talk about a little bit later in more detail, uh, Capital Drilling, I go through every customer of the business and look at what they say about their future and their 
use of the services of that company and I track and model the usage of that company's products through the customer RNSs. So actually in that case, I'm doing many, many hours of research and you know, kind of continue to update and do that on an ongoing basis. So for me, it's it's very much on what the investment situation is. You know, it can be a shotgun approach, buy a lot of stuff that's cheap, or it can be kind of deep dive into um, kind of very specific opportunities. Yeah, I like that approach. It's um, very flexible to how the market is. Okay, so if we can jump into your portfolio, what what two stocks in your portfolio are you very bullish on, and, and what was the um, thesis for investing? Yeah, so you know, kind of as a deep value investor, you know, I, I could talk a lot about the kind of stocks that trade at a big kind of discount to book value. You know, have depressed earnings, like to mean revert. You know, I've got quite a, a few of those. But what I really like at the moment is stocks that are priced as value stocks, but actually have overlaid on them this long-term growth characteristics. And the first one I've already talked about is, is called Capital Limited Now. It was originally called Capital Drilling. And this is an Africa-focused supplier of mining drill rigs, uh, mainly to the gold industry. So it's got some kind of gold exposure, but it's, yeah, they, they will generally provide rigs for any, any opportunity. They're in a sweet spot at the moment. So, so demand for gold exploration has gone up massively. I'm forecasting EPS growth for around 50% for this year. That's a, a 2021 um, year and followed by a further 50% next year if things go as, as planned. Yet at the current share price, they're on a forward price earnings of about eight. Um, and that falls to five for um, FY22. So you can see that this is you know, kind of straight away, this is a value stock. This is a very cheap stock on, you know, kind of forward projected earnings, um, at least through through my model. And, and as I said, I, I kind of model this quite closely. Doesn't mean I'm right, but it gives me certain level confidence in my figures. Of course, the market's pricing cyclicality here. You know, that, that's why, you know, that, that this hasn't gone up to a growth multiple of a P of 40 or something like that. People think that these earnings are are kind of short-lived. And they are to a certain extent. I think there is a cyclicality to this business. However, when you look at the history of the business, in the last mining downturn, the capital generated free cash flow pretty much every year. And they paid out a dividend throughout the last bear market of the mining cycle. In 2019, no one was interested in the gold mining sector. And they funded some drilling campaigns uh, with about 10 gold explorers in return for equity in their businesses. And this portfolio is now worth about sort of 40 million US dollars. It's gone up five to $10 million every, every six months for the last, the last few periods. Uh, you know, so they've done very well by acting counter-cyclically and investing when nobody else will. And they also have now ongoing drilling campaigns. I think sort of nine of these businesses They've got 2021 drilling campaigns with these customers and they're long-term partners as well. So they view themselves as, as partners with their customers, not just, you know, kind of drill, cash in and, and get out. So, um, you know, they've got some contracts that are maybe up to five years in some cases. They've recently added a mining services division. Uh, so that's doing kind of earth moving works um, for a client called Sentimin. 
And they also expect that, you know, if they're doing the drilling, um, the exploration drilling today, in three years, four years, they're going to be doing the production drilling for these companies. You know, they've got that long-term relationship that they keep, partly through the equity stakes and partly through the quality of their services and the um, the flexibility and the um, the strength they have in that business. Um, yet, despite all of this, you know, they trade at a discount, material discount to their sector. You know, they've got higher growth rates in the medium term. And they even have a, a, a sort of fair amount of um, hidden value in there as well. So they've got a, a labs business, a laboratory business. Um, so this is high margin, low capex, and it's doubling its revenue every year at the moment. So I don't know about you, John, but what what sales multiple would you would you expect for a business that's sort of doubling its doubling its sales every year um, going forward? Yeah, much higher than what it is. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, this is a, a smaller part of the business, but you know, you kind of, it's about two hundred million market cap, and I, I think that you know, you could say easily, sort of thirty to forty million value is just in that labs business alone, and because it's growing, it doesn't, you know, it's not generating a lot of EBITDA at the moment, so so it's sort of hidden in the figures there, but if it grows at these rates, you're likely to see that, you know, that continue to to drive EBITDA in future years. And then suddenly this business is looking a lot less cyclical and a lot less dependent on those, those kind of one-off drilling contracts um, that it has in the past. It seems to be right in the middle of that sort of magic um, diagram of quality value. And it looks like it's picking up some good yeah. momentum as well. Yes, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's always frustrating when something delivers good news and the share price doesn't move. But, you know, as a, as a value investor, I'm very much focused on the performance of the business rather than any performance of the actual, uh, you know, the actual chart in the short term. And is this company the highest weighting in your portfolio? Uh, yes, it, it is at the moment. Okay, that's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Mark. And how about the second company you'd like to talk about? So I'm, I'm going to stick with the same sort of theme, but a completely different sector. And the second one I'm talk, going to talk about is called FinCap. So investors may have come across this because it's a, it's a fairly well-known listed small cap broker. Uh, they make their research on other companies available on their website. So, and I personally find their research to be, you know, kind of some of the best in the the industry. So that that straight away kind of highlights to me that this is a, this is a reasonable quality business. And again, it's going through a, a bit of a boom. Um, I think we can't help notice that there's been a, a fair few equity placings in, in various places. And you know, the last year was was really quite strong for this business. So they had a great H2 last year and delivered sort of just short of five pence of EPS. And that makes them a, a, a sort of historical PE that's sort of just above six, really. So again, a very value-orientated rating here. Sort of looking forward, I, I don't think this half is going to be as strong as as the previous one. So you do have a little bit of mean reversion. But it's also, you know, the indications are that it's stronger than the previous H1. So, you know, there is this kind of uh, sort of pattern of growth underlying, you know, overlaid by the cyclicality. And as, a, as, as somebody who researches stocks, it's great because we see these transactions in the, the regulatory new system. You know, if FinCap raise money for a, a client, you know, you see it in the, you, you know, you see it in the RNS. So, you know, it's quite easy to, you know, for those willing to do the work to track how well this business is doing. 
but, but it's not just that part of the business. So that business is doing well and providing strong cash flow. And they're using that to expand into areas like debt management, takeover advisory, and more recently, ESG reporting. So these are all kind of areas that are, that are growing and I think will do well even when these kind of equity market raises kind of cool a bit, you know, and, uh, and things go down. If we face a big bear market, I mean, it um, probably won't generate high levels of earnings per share in the short term, but then so much else of the market will be, uh, will be hit in that period as well. It's got great management, they've got skin in the game, and they've got a long-term target to, to double their revenue in the next few years, mostly through organic growth. And they have a, a pretty strong culture that they don't want to dilute. So it's, you know, the reputation is for doing the right thing, for thinking long-term, putting clients first. So you know, to, to me, this is a, a, again, this is a quality business. You know, wh- whatever the metrics say, the strength of the management, the strength of their their vision and their history, you know, kind of makes this a, a as a positive business. Unlike some brokers, they're not just paying all the the, the growth out in bonuses to their staff. It's always a risk with a, a staff uh, or a people based business, but they seem to have reasonable kind of cost control while still incentivizing those those kind of long term staff that they want to keep. You know, I, I think as well you can see. That this could, as it shifts more into an advisory business rather than just a broker, you know, you take a look at something like K3 Capital, which is a, a listed advisory business in the UK, and that's on over 30 times EV to EBITDA, you know, whereas FinCap's under five. So you could easily get with this, you know, if, if that revenue growth comes and the market sees a advisory business that's growing rather than a cyclical business that's going to fall, you could easily see both that that kind of revenue and profit growth, but also that kind of multiple re-rating. And I think this sort of combination is what drives uh, multi-bagging results in the in the medium term. I don't know about you, John, but that's you know a, a lot of my big winners have been that sort of stock where the multiple and the the earnings have both grown. Yeah, they're exactly the type of companies I look for too. That kind of double, two rocket boosters, if you like, yeah, acting yeah. together. Thanks, Mark, for sharing that company. Is there a person you've met or someone you've followed that you feel has made you a better investor over the years? So a lot of deep value investors will go that, like the, for the classics and the, the kind of early Buffets and people like that. Obviously, I've, I've not, not met any of these guys. Um, but I think that, you know, while their writing's kind of powerful, that the people, there's a couple of kind of more off, off-center people who've really had a bigger impact on me. Uh, one is kind of Toby Carlyle. So he writes a lot about kind of deep value and has a has an ongoing podcast sort of focused on deep value. And just the, yeah, his clarity of thought, his ability to, to stick with value, even during some, some down years, some, some times where value hasn't been in, in play. His, his kind of quant focus, I first came across him because he wrote a book called Expected Value, and it was taking uh, what uh, Joel Greenblatt had written about the magic formula, um, which was essentially Joel Greenblatt said, invest in cheap, high-quality companies. And Toby Carlyle and his uh, other author, Wes Gray, they, they analyzed it and they said, well, actually all the return and then some of the magic formula was coming from the value side 
And actually, uh, as I said earlier, if you buy cheap enough, you don't need high quality. In fact, what people think is, you know, a rubbish business today often gets viewed as a high quality business in the future because you have mean reversion, you have, you know, managers incentivized to turn things around. And these are all concepts that kind of Toby kind of talks about in, in his books. The other person I'll mention is uh, Michael Mauberson. Again, somebody I've not met, but, you know, you kind of get to know through some of these writings and his thoughts on base rates, when to, you know, when to sell on a profit warning. Again, the use of kind of quant data, uh, you know, or, or, or analytical data overlaid onto a, a value framework, reversion to the mean, you know, what it means to have return on invested capital. All the all these kind of concepts, I think Michael Mauberson just has that clarity of thought and that clarity of writing that I've I've really enjoyed over the years. Oh, that's great. Okay, and where can listeners go to find out more about you? Well, I, I guess the first place they can learn about more about the strategies I employ uh, to beat the market is by buying my book, Excellent Investing. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, for those interested in specifically UK companies. Uh, then subscribing to our weekly newsletter, which is called Small Caps Life on Substack. Um, we send a weekly email out to everybody with a summary of what we've discussed on our Small Caps Live uh, Discord channel. And that's uh, I write that with a couple of uh, friends, one of, one of which focuses on kind of more large caps and macro. And then me and another friend focus on uh, small cap opportunities. Um, so anybody who's interested in those sort of things will will probably find uh, find that useful and interesting. I'm a subscriber to your newsletter. I'd fully recommend listeners um, add their name to that list. It's uh, excellent. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you so mu- uh, much, Mark, for coming onto the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. <laughs>